0: The Bread and Better Podcast acknowledges the Yugara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Min Jin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yugara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by Heyal Productions.
1: <whistles> Did I say <laughs> good? I <laughs> <laughs> get you it one more time? <laughs> Maybe just in case. Okay
0: bread and better podcast (laughs) okay bread and better podcast i feel like i am bread and better podcast welcome to season two of the bread and better podcast We are still so shocked that we have a whole season out, to be honest, but we are excited to be back and bringing you a whole new bunch of real and raw conversations around holistic health and women's issues. Hi, I'm Tegan. Professionally, I'm a qualified personal
1: trainer, sports nutritionist, and chef with an online lifestyle coaching biz called Fitty Teagues. Outside of that, I love lifting weights myself, running, being outside in general,
0: and eating good food with my favorite people. And I'm Alex. I'm a freelance feature writer, a producer, and now the owner of my own business, Hey Our Productions. I'm a mum of three beautiful kids, Oscar, who is almost nine, Magnolia, who is six, and Sol, who is almost two. I also love being outside, but I equally love watching TV and devouring
1: pop culture. Based on our different backgrounds, but mutual values, we were inspired to create this podcast to provide honest conversation that will help the women of our generation begin to heal the
0: relationships they have with their food, movement, and bodies. Through the podcast, we want you to feel empowered and equipped to achieve your goals, as well as set the next generation up with a healthy mindset. Better begins with us. So on today's episode, we're going to be getting a little
1: recap from Alex on her recent trip to Japan with her gorgeous fam. And then I'm going to dive into all things around the dreaded C word, (laughs) calories. We would just like to acknowledge that the topic of calories and calorie counting may need a trigger warning for some people that have struggled with disordered eating in the past or present. Perhaps this episode may not be a good listen for you. However, having said that, if you have listened before, you will know that my approach to nutrition for my clients and my Self is very much based around an abundance perspective rather than a restrictive one, which is something that I will be touching on in the episode and a big
0: reason why I wanted to do this episode. If you are currently struggling with an eating disorder and need some support, please be sure to contact the Butterfly Foundation. They have a free helpline and many other great resources, which we will share with you in the show notes.
1: So while we usually start with the best thing we ate this week, it has been about three weeks since we last recorded. So we're going to go a little bit rogue today. Instead, I wanted to ask Alex a few questions about her Japan trip. And obviously we will start with the most important question, which is my favorite question to ask anybody who has just traveled. So what was the best
0: thing that you ate on your trip? So I did eat a few really good things, but also I didn't eat a lot because, well, I mean, celiac disease isn't really a thing over there. Either is gluten intolerance. So it was, it was pretty hard to find food to eat, but thank God for this Facebook group that I'm in, uh, which I'll put in the show notes for any other celiacs. They had a lot of recommendations. So without them, I probably wouldn't have eaten at all. But through that, I found this restaurant called Sugar Hill in Kyoto, and I'll put it in the show notes because it was the best meal I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Not even since I've been a celiac or, you know, allergic to dairy. It's just the best meal I've ever had. It was called the Sugar Hill Famous Teriyaki Chicken. And I know that doesn't sound too exciting, but it was just like nothing I've ever had before. It was, I guess it was like a char-grilled chicken thigh, but the teriyaki sauce was so different, obviously, because it was all made from scratch. And then I had this like, I don't want to say potato salad because that's not doing it justice, but it had this like sweet potato, creamy potato thing that didn't have dairy in it, which I was just like blown away by. And then a little salad and rice with this dressing on the rice. It was just, it was to die for it was incredible and it was so good. We went back the next night and had it again.
1: Yeah. Great. Well, we'll have to, do you have a photo of that, that we can
0: I do. I've got two photos. (laughs) Excellent. We want to see it. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, everyone's meal was amazing. Like, kevin the kids they were just it was awesome it looked like the kids were eating some really fun little meals yeah they ate so much their favorite thing was the breakfast buffet every morning at the hotels oh yep yeah they loaded up on like little uh chorizo sausages and waffles and everything i think Um, when
1: you're a child a buffet is like a wonderland (laughs) and when
0: and when you're an adult you're like buffets kind of suck right and they're (laughs) scary you're like they're never very good unsurprisingly I actually got food poisoning from an oyster once from a buffet and ever since then I've been a bit scared but yeah so there was that and actually can I say one more Yeah, sure. You can do mine because I won't do one this week. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So in Kyoto, there's also this store that is actually gluten-free and dairy-free, which is very unusual over there, and it's called Waco Crepes, and I had a matcha crepe with dairy-free whipped cream and chocolate and banana. Wow, yum. Yeah, it was incredible, but it was so big I actually couldn't finish it all, which is very unusual for me. It was delicious, and I was very very excited and very grateful to find something that I could eat.
1: Yes. We'll get pictures of both of those up on the gram. Definitely. (laughs) I bet you do. So next question, where was your favorite place that you visited or the family's favorite place?
0: okay so this is really hard to narrow down for me one of the big ones was Osaka Castle I've wanted to visit there since I was eight and I did an assignment on it in Japanese oh that's special Yeah, so it was a big moment for me did it live up to your expectations it It was beautiful and we got to go all the way to the top which I didn't even know we could do wow yeah so it was really good I had a bit of a cry actually like a happiness cry oh a little gratitude cry I was like this is just beautiful Uh, there was just yeah there it was so much. We did team lab, which I highly recommend to anyone going to Japan. It's like an immersive art experience. So Ooh. yeah. I don't want to give anything away from people, but it was just like nothing I've ever experienced. It was there's like water play bits where you like have to take off your shoes and there's different textures. And it was so good that we then booked for the other experience in Osaka. So the first one's in Tokyo. Yep. And then in Osaka they've got like an outdoor one in the Botanical Gardens, which was really really cool as well. So. And would
1: you recommend that for kids and adults? Oh
0: yeah. The kids had a ball. Yep. Uh, That was Kev's favorite experience. And what about Disneyland? Was that up there? I'm saving that for the end. Oh, okay. Disneyland (laughs) was the greatest day of my life. Oh, wow. Without like, I mean, obviously having kids, blah, 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 but Disneyland, I can't. I mean, they were all there. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I can't foresee a day that will be better than that. It was everything I, like, I mean, I've been to Disneyland Paris, but Disneyland Tokyo is – It's surreal. Like, I can't explain to you. And the kids just had the best day and Oscar was so into it. Like, I wasn't sure because we're not like a huge Disney. Like, I mean, we love Pixar, but we're not into princesses and stuff. But Oscar was like, mom, it's Mickey Mouse. And like, I just didn't think he'd be like that. So we got there when it opened it. We actually lined up from eight and we were there until we got on the train about 10 p.m. So we experienced everything. We went on every ride. The kids had like every snack. We all wore Mickey ears. It was a dream.
1: It's probably a really good age to take Oscar before he's a little bit too old.
0: Yeah, yeah, before he's too cool for school. Yeah, it was perfect and Sol was just like living his best life because he loves Mickey Mouse. So all day he was like, Mickey. So that was really good. And Universal Studios was fun as well, but... I just really highly recommend Disneyland to everyone. None of your kids have a phobia of the characters? No, but do you know what happened? When we went to Universal Studios, I probably should have researched it more. I didn't think it would be happening so early in September, but it was Fright Night. Oh, no. And I'll maybe I should post a video so people can understand how scary it was. You know I love horror and you love horror. Yeah. It was genuinely terrifying. It was like a horror movie in the street and we didn't know what was happening because they had the announcement in Japanese and I guess it was a warning to remove small children and we're just sitting in this diner having hot chips and we start hearing chainsaws and then people screaming and I went out and then the kids start crying So <laughs> like what the fuck is going on and I went and had a look there was like a woman whose face was upside down and there was this like murder victim on stilts like with actual chainsaws chasing people I mean they probably weren't real chainsaws but they sounded them. like <laughs> and they smelled of petrol Ch- and stuff and they were chasing people down the street and people were like crying and it went on all night. Oh, that's so fun. I want to go so yeah, badly. Yeah, you would love it. Brett wouldn't even go in the spooky house at the Echo with me. <laughs> it was so scary. There was grown adults crying and then it went for the rest of the night. So they had kids safe zones. I'm like, my eyes are tearing up with excitement. Like this is so cool. Yeah, you would love it. You would love it. And we just went back to Elmo land, like the Sesame Street section <laughs> la, to be la, safe. La. <laughs> and then I asked and lady. And then Elmo turns evil. <laughs> (laughs) the kids kept saying like what if they come in here and uh, I said to Kevin like imagine if this turned into like a real horror movie like it wasn't actually supposed to be happening but um, that's what I was gonna say is there like any part of you that was like oh my god is this real (laughs) right I was terrified it was so scary yeah wow yeah yeah you would love it I was actually like I said to Kevin like Tegan would fucking love this that's so cool it was very cool so cool yeah yeah But I might post some photos on the Instagram. Please do. Yeah. Yeah, Share in line with the app. I will. I will because everything was amazing. Yeah. I loved it all. All
1: right. Thanks for the recap. That That was awesome. All right, so a bit of a pivot now. We're going to get into a more serious section of the pod today Um, and calorie counting is something that people do take really seriously but it can be a little bit more relaxed too. So Alex, I know that you don't count calories or track macros so I honestly wanted to ask you what was your opinion on this prior to starting the podcast with me and what is your opinion on it now because I feel like you might have picked up a bit of my vibe already.
0: Yeah, I have. Definitely picked up your vibe from our previous episodes, but also from conversations with our friends that work with you. So prior to getting to know you and like hearing about what our friends had to say about it, I definitely didn't have a very positive view on it. And that's only because of my personal experience. When I was 22, I had this app about counting calories and I had no advice from a professional or anything like that. I don't even know what the app was. It definitely wasn't an educational one. It was literally just to count calories and it kind of said how many calories you could have to lose weight. I was pretty obsessed with it. And with the app
1: were you trying to stay as far under as you possibly could? Yeah. Not even eating up to what the app told you to?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so proud of myself if I came like way under yeah. what the app recommended. I was like, oh, look at me. I don't even, even need to do that. But I was so...
1: Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the experience that a lot of people have had, which is not a true experience of counting calories. That's taking a little bit of the concept and applying disordered eating in a society that tells us that we should be as thin as possible, which was kind of the trend when we were in our early 20s. That's kind of what it was like. We were seeing the, you know, Nicole Richies and the, what's her name, that chick that was married to Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie's, that were like, you know, in a magazine Saying that they weighed forty-seven or forty-five kilos, yeah, and that's kind of how you know we were trying to be like, yeah. So I think that. We all have that sort of experience in our past. And for that reason, a lot of people of our age and a little bit older have said, I would never count calories. It's bad. You know, I would never want my child to see me weighing food. And we have this misconception that everybody who's counting calories is trying to be stick thin and drastically reducing their food intake.
0: Yeah. What's your opinion now? My opinion now is very, very different. So one of the things that I love that I saw on your Instagram before we were even doing any of this was that you come from the perspective of abundance rather than restriction. Yep, which I just have never viewed it that way. Like making sure you're getting the most amount of protein that you need. Yeah, I think that it can be really beneficial, especially for people like me that I'm probably deficient in so many things, and just knowing what I what I need to be able to, you know, function and and live my best life. I think that that's a really good thing, and I think it can be really educational. Yeah, definitely. So before we get into the guts of the app, let's define a few terms for myself and the listeners who might not know. So what is a calorie? Good question, because it does get tossed around a lot. But what actually is a calorie? I have no idea, yeah. by the way.
1: Most people wouldn't. They <laughs> no. would just be like, eh, it's something that you count for yes. your food. Yeah. So we have calories and we have kilojoules. Um, some things have kilojoules in Australia, but it's just one calorie is about 4.2 kilojoules. So it's kind of just like metric and imperial however we use calorie a lot more because it's just simpler it's smaller numbers so essentially a calorie is a unit of energy so it was originally defined as the amount of heat required at a pressure of one standard atmosphere to raise the temperature of one gram of water by one degree celsius oh wow so it's, it's the energy. Yeah. So it's okay. energy transferred. So basically in terms of the body, we gain energy via the food we consume. So we're putting energy in and we lose energy via not only moving our bodies. So often we think just through moving our bodies, but also all the bodily functions it takes to keep us alive. Yeah. So before you even step foot out of bed in the morning, you're breathing, you're pumping air, you're digesting food. All of these things are burning energy as well. Yeah. That's it. That's a calorie.
0: Oh, what? That's it. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's that just a sense. unit of energy. Wow. Okay. I had no idea. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. And so what is tracking calories then?
1: Yeah. So tracking calories is using an app like MyFitnessPal, which very well may have been the app that you use when you were younger, in order to track your food intake to line up with your goals. And that's not necessarily weight loss. It could be weight maintenance. It could be muscle gain and it could be optimal health. Yeah. So is that something that like
0: weightlifting and stuff like that could use as well. Definitely
1: most athletes would be using it to ensure that they're getting the right intake for their goals. Yep. So whereas some people might be using it for weight loss, other people might be using it like endurance athletes would be using it predominantly to track their carbohydrate intake because yep. carbohydrates are the most efficient fuel source. So they would be tracking their their macros, which is the next question, yep. um, to ensure that they're getting enough carbohydrates to fuel
0: their training. Okay. Yeah, cool. That makes sense. So I think in a previous episode, you've explained to me what macros are. Yep. So, I have a little bit of an understanding of that now, but what is tracking macros? So as I explained in the previous
1: app, um, which is the one we were talking about, busting diet myths. So macros are the things that make up a calorie or make up our foods. So we have fat, protein, and carbohydrates. Obviously, they're all important for different reasons. Our carbohydrates are what fuel our bodies for exercise and daily life. Our proteins are really important for building and maintaining muscle mass and also the formation of all the cells in the body. And then we have fats, it's important to have healthy fats because they carry a whole lot of vitamins and minerals that help us with our bodily functions. Yeah. Um, when people are tracking macros, essentially within tracking calories, they are ensuring that they're getting the right split of those three macronutrients. Right. So like what I was saying before, for an endurance athlete, it's really important that they're getting enough carbohydrates in their body, but it's also important that they're getting enough fat in their bodies because fat is also a fuel source. Yeah. And then for pretty much everybody, it's ensuring that they're getting enough protein. So essentially, Protein is going to be there so that we can build and maintain muscle mass. Yeah. and protein is also very satiating, so it keeps you nice and full. So when people are dieting, it is important to have enough protein to ensure that they're not feeling like they're going to snack all day long. Yeah, and you will know the difference. You probably haven't picked up on it because it's not something that you have been like needing to be hyper aware of before. But if you've ever had a meal that's just really carb-based, and I'm yeah. going to put it in terms that you can understand, yeah, if you've just had a cake, you might find that you're hungry again an hour later. Yeah. How as if you've had a you know, a wrap, I know you like to make your wraps with, with your bacon in there. So you've got some protein, you've got some fat that's going to keep you fuller for a lot longer in the day because you've got that protein, which is very satiating.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really interesting what you just said about having protein when you're younger it sets you up from when you're older. I think that that's something that, you know, not enough people really know and it's not something that you think of when you're younger.
1: Yeah, I would say as a whole, our population really under Protein. And there's a lot of conflicting stuff out there about this. I know that there was the Game Changers uh, Netflix series a few years ago that really promoted veganism and said that we didn't really need protein. But all of the evidence suggests that it is really important to have a diet that is high in protein, whether you're getting that from animal sources or you're getting that from vegetarian sources or supplements. Yeah. There's just so much good evidence to say that protein is really beneficial. Yeah. And the more muscle mass that we have and the stronger bones that we have. later in life, obviously that's going to be beneficial for our mobility and our quality of life essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. So for most people, just to really briefly touch on that, for most people, it's not necessarily essential to count macros. For a lot of my clients, I get them to count calories and protein if they have a weight loss goal. However, the more specific your body composition goals are, you maybe need to go into the nitty gritty of tracking all three macros, or if you're training for an endurance event or a specific event. So some coaches do get Their clients to track all three macros, and that's kind of just up to what
0: their approach is. Okay, cool. Yeah. Something else I've heard before what is a calorie deficit?
1: Yeah. So, the reason that any weight loss approach works is because you create a calorie deficit. So, I think we did touch on this a little bit, but essentially, you need to be eating less food than you are burning through your bodily functions of digesting, breathing, through your day to day movement of cleaning, cooking. All those things and through your exercise so when you're creating a calorie deficit Essentially, what you're doing is making sure that you're taking in less calories than you're burning yeah. in order to start to metabolize some of the fat in your body and create fat loss. Okay. So when people do diet and there is a reason that eating for weight loss is different to eating for health because you can still eat really healthy foods yeah. and gain weight if the, if you're not in a calorie deficit. So calorie deficit is using those numbers to ensure that you are in
0: a weight loss phase. Yep. So is that like if someone goes and eats like two handfuls of nuts?
1: Yeah, she's getting it. Yeah. Yeah. So nuts, very good for you. And we should definitely include them in our diet. But that's why when people are trying to just eat healthy, quote unquote, and they might have, you know, avocado on toast for brekkie with some olive oil, and then they might have this smoothie and they might have a handful of nuts and they might have this beautiful salad with seeds and olive oil. And they've had all this really Beautiful, healthy food. They've got fruit and veggies, they've got meat, and they've got all these wonderful fat sources. Yet essentially at the end of the day, they're I'm eating so healthy, but yeah. I'm not losing any weight. It's because they're not actually in a calorie deficit. Yeah. From an optimal health position, they're probably thriving. And because that yeah. they're eating probably in a calorie surplus, which is the next question, they probably have heaps of energy. Yeah. But it's not going to create fat loss. And if that is their goal, that's why understanding energy balance, which energy balance is this calorie deficit versus calorie surplus. Last we're just saying energy which is calorie energy how it's balanced in our body and that's why they can't lose fat even
0: though they're eating really really healthy yeah wow yeah that makes yeah that makes so much sense And so then what is a calorie surplus? Can you go into that a bit?
1: Yeah, so that's the other end of the scale from a calorie deficit. That's essentially ensuring that you're eating more calories than you are burning, which you might be thinking, well, why would I want to do that? (sighs) Because that would mean that I would gain more weight. But essentially, you could also get bigger in that you can build muscle mass. So if you think about the process of losing fat, we are creating that calorie deficit and we're taking something away from the body. Yeah. When we want to build muscle mass, we have the stimulus of weight lifting. We're lifting weights. Yeah. But how do we create something out of nothing? Yeah. So we need to be putting extra
0: calories in or a calorie surplus in order to be able to build muscle mass. Yeah. So that's kind of like when you see those guys that are you know, training for an event or weightlifting might go and eat like, you know, three KFC burgers or I mean, maybe a healthier version, but like three pieces of grilled chicken and, you know, on top of all of their normal meals. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: obviously there's different ways to do a build phase and I would never recommend someone just go out and start smashing KFC. There's definitely way better ways (laughs) that we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're trying to ensure that they have enough calories to build muscle mass, and essentially they probably will gain some fat in the process, probably more if yeah. they're going with uh, like more of like a, a dirty bulk, yeah. but then they strip that back with a calorie deficit yeah. when they've reached their building goals.
0: Right. Okay
1: another reason that you might want to be in a calorie surplus is if you are training for an endurance event. Yep. So on my Instagram, I shared when I was carb loading for the Gold Coast Marathon.
0: Yes, I loved that.
1: And I was essentially trying to eat about 12 grams of carbohydrate for every kilo of body weight that I have, yep. which is a lot. Yeah, And it was around four to 5,000 calories per day. Wow. And I was ensuring that I was getting enough into my body so that when I came to do my run, I had that excess energy to burn through to be able to perform better yeah. rather than putting my body in a four or five thousand calorie hole, which is obviously not going to be very good for performance. If I have that energy there and ready to go, I'm going to be able to perform better a lot better and that's the same reason why runners use gels while they're running is because they're trying to put energy in their body and stay ahead of that calorie burn when we're competing or training for endurance we don't want to be burning fat we want to be staying ahead of our calorie uh, consumption so that we have the energy there ready to go and do not have to rely on our body stores which aren't going to be as efficient
0: yeah and so why do you like tracking calories for your clients?
1: So as we touched on before, I really like to look at things from an abundance mindset rather than a restriction mindset. And a lot of my clients do come to me initially with fat loss or weight loss goals. Yeah. However, they might have gone down the route of trying a diet before that's been really restrictive, or they've gone down that route of trying to be just really healthy or really good. Yeah. Which good, we don't like to say that word. Yeah. There's no good or bad. But essentially, our relationship with food is one of the most important relationships that we're going to have in our entire life. Yeah. Right? Like, obviously, you've got your partner, but you've got yourself which is probably the most important one.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And then your relationship with food and movement and your bodies, like that's something that you have for life. We are always going to need to eat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, like we're not, we don't necessarily need to have a husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we need, need to eat. You need food. So, I think that that is a lifelong relationship that we really need to nurture. Yeah. And if we have a really bad relationship with food, that's going to cause conflict throughout our entire life. Yeah. And there would be people listening to this and they might not even be listening to this because if they're anti-calories, they've probably already flagged the whole episode and so be it. If you're here, you're here to learn. But people think that you know tracking calories is creating a bad relationship with food, but it's not. It's giving you the education that you need to be able to fuel your body perfectly. Yeah. So people think... Like most of us are lacking a nutritional education. It's not something that we are taught properly in school. No, I didn't know all. what a macro was until I was in PT school. Yeah, I didn't know what it was until episode five when you explained it to me. Exactly. So we don't know about, you know, the carbs we need. We don't know why we need protein. We just get told we should drink milk because it makes our bones strong and we yeah. should eat our veggies because they're good for us. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all we know. we Bix. <laughs> yeah. So we and, and then we get all the, these messages from society saying you know KFC is bad junk food is bad this is good we should only eat these good and bad foods and we're getting all these messages but essentially at the guts of it we don't have a nutritional education yeah so when i get my clients to track calories instead of looking at it as a diet or a means to an end I ask them to look at it like an education, Yeah, like you would study for a job and you need to get that skill set to then have that job. Yeah. Think about it like this. You're gaining an education on the food you're eating and what's in the food you're eating, not only the calories, but also the macronutrients and also the micronutrients. Yeah, And that then passes on to your kids. And you can then have that education to be like, okay, well, we don't want to restrict them from having this thing. We want them to learn to enjoy everything in moderation and have a really healthy relationship with food where they do prioritize quality first. Yeah. And there's room for soul foods. If we say to a child, no, you can not have this food, this food and this food. And then they go to a birthday party mm-hmm. and you're not there. You better believe that they're just going to yeah. go mental. And it's the same for us as adults. Yeah. When we go on a restrictive diet and we say, I'm not going to eat this, this and this. The first time that we're off that diet, mm-hmm. we're going to go absolutely ape shit, and we're going to end up overeating. Yeah. And yep. if you think about it like this, if you're trying to not eat chocolate and you think, chocolate you love chocolate like yeah. it's your favorite thing but you're like nope, I'm not losing any weight because I eat too much chocolate yeah essentially you might go without chocolate for two weeks and then you'll eat a block in an entire sitting yeah because you can't stop thinking about it yeah. yeah 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 and I know for myself if you tell me I can't have something I want it yeah instantly yeah, yeah. whereas in the inverse you could have had aware of that chocolate every single day and it's spread out and yeah. you have not only had the thing that you enjoy but you haven't had that binge relationship at the end yeah. which is really messing with your food and hunger cues as well so a lot of yeah a lot of other methods of dieting have a restrictive approach you can't have this you can have this and instead it's like no you're learning quality first 80% of our diet needs to come from good quality whole foods that are going to fill us up and make us feel our best yeah. and then we have a 20% buffer to enjoy some of these soul foods. Yeah. And you've got to keep in mind that these soul foods are engineered to make us want to eat a lot of them (laughs) without getting full because the more they sell, the more money they make. So they want us to be able to guts them down. Like the food companies don't have our health in the front of their mind. They want to make money. Yeah. So we're programmed to not have these hunger cues and we're programmed in this society where if you're eating whole foods, (laughs) you're a little bit weird. Yeah, yeah. So from this abundance first approach, what happens is initially I get my clients to track in what they're eating. We see what they like and then we see how we can tweak it. So we might be looking at, you know, introducing more fruit and veggies, reducing the size of soul foods, but essentially taking what they like and tweaking it to a place that's going to get them to their goals. Yeah. And it's just a great solution.
0: Yeah. It's such a healthy way to do it.
1: One of my girlfriends who was one of my first ever clients, she goes, I just can't believe that the answer was to eat the food I like. Yeah, do you know? What, like yeah. it was like a mind blown moment. Yeah, that is mind blowing. And one of my clients said the other day she's lost twenty kilos and she's never had to eat low calories. Like yeah. we're not when I'm putting people on these diets, they're not on these super low calorie diets. They're getting you know two thousand calories a day plus. Yeah, and she's like, you know, my partner commented that this
0: has been relatively easy for you, and yeah. she's like, it has. Wow. Yeah, she's not getting hangry and miserable and yeah yeah so it does yeah it
1: does let us look at things from an abundance first perspective versus a restrictive perspective which is how a lot of other diets work and i often hear people you know saying i'll never regret not tracking calories more and like kind of bashing it yeah. and the thing is that's often said by people who have never had a weight control problem in their life yes yeah do you know what i mean most of us can't intuitively eat and maintain the weight that we we want to we don't have that education yeah so it's all good and well when you see someone who's naturally very thin never had to really worry about being overweight in their life you yeah. so, know oh I just can't believe that you track calories all the time and it's kind of like oh you know, you know your lived experience is different to mine yeah I would have never gotten to the place that I have with my body composition my relationship with food my relationship with my body unless I learned this yeah And the thing is with calorie tracking, we're not doing it to do it forever. Yeah, no. We're doing it to get the education to then be able to intuitively eat so that later in life we know we can just eat the foods that we know are the right portions for our bodies and that make us feel our best. Yeah. We take time off for weekends. We take time off for holidays. Nobody is going over to Europe on their four week holiday, and I'm saying to them, "You need to track every calorie <laughs> while you're that over pizza. There. No, yeah. it is a tool that we use at times in our life that work for us. Yeah, it's not forever. Yeah, and I think that that's the real misconception.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that that you're changing your perspective and learning how to intuitively eat. That's not something that I ever would have. Thought of. And I think, wouldn't that be a nice place to get to?
1: I mean, nobody is nobody is going from a place where they were morbidly overweight and going, I'm gonna intuitively eat and my body's gonna tell me that I wanna have a chicken salad every
0: day for lunch. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's yeah. just not realistic. No, not at all. However, through curating their nutritional approach to include the things they love to include enough food to fuel their bodies and then starting to introduce these whole foods, then eventually after you get into the habit of getting used to the whole foods, feeling your best, seeing the results, then yes, your body will crave them. But if you're just going to go, I'm going to intuitively eat, if you've been eating a whole bunch of soul foods, you're not going to start to crave whole foods. It's just it's yeah. just not going to work like that. The other thing about it is we just have the ability to manipulate our body composition in a really effective way. Yeah. So we have the data based on numbers rather than just going, oh, I'm going to cut this, this, and this out. You don't really know how fast you can get to your goal, whereas if you are doing things. So calorie tracking, it's essentially just maths. Yeah. Obviously the human body has heaps of things that influence it, but we can get a pretty good baseline and see how things are working via just data so that's why anytime I get a client that's really numbers driven like if they're an accountant or something I'm like you're actually going to love this because it is just maths yeah and we can manipulate our body composition in the most effective way so not just from a perspective of fat loss but the same from that perspective of muscle building yeah it's not like you just go out and be like I'm just gonna eat protein and I'm just gonna lift weights and hope that I get there yeah you can still be ensuring that you're getting enough protein, but you're also getting carbs because carbs are muscle sparing. You can just do everything in a more efficient way. Yeah, And, you know, if people do have a really time-specific goal, then they can really dial in on that and they can be more strict and get there really fast. Whereas for a lot of my clients, their goal is just for long-term, long-term sustainable Weight loss and then weight maintenance. Yeah. They don't need to do it in a hurry necessarily. So, we do, like I said, take time off for holidays and things like that, or take time off for events that have a high emotional value. Say it's your partner's birthday. Yeah. It's not like anybody, well, if they're bodybuilders, yes, they are, but they have a time specific goal for the layperson. Most people aren't saying like, yeah, sorry Kev, I'm not going to go to your birthday party or yeah. I'm going to take my chicken and rice because I need to count calories. Yeah. No, you take the day off. Yeah. And you get back on track the next day. Yeah. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, that's such a nice way to think about it. Then yeah. And you're not, you know, desperately looking forward to the end of the diet because you can still enjoy life.
1: Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. and, and the whole thing is like a lot of people come in and they're being really clean Monday to Friday and then they're cramming all the shit that they want to eat into the weekend and they're creating this really negative weekend weekday push pull yeah. or they might be really restrictive and then they go overboard and then they've got to make up for that however what i do is i encourage my clients to stretch out the food over the course of the week like if you feel like having a fucking croissant yeah on a tuesday you can have a croissant on a tuesday and then come saturday You'll feel fine having a protein shake and some fruit for brekkie because you're going out for dinner because you haven't, you know, deprived yourself of that croissant that you wanted on Tuesday and you don't feel like you need to cram all of the low-quality food that you want to have into the weekend and then start again on Monday. Yeah,
0: yeah. you're kind of just making life easier for yourself.
1: You're just making everything more balanced and spread out over the course of the week and essentially what it provides people is freedom around food yeah so people think it's the opposite but it isn't it's freedom around food it's to say you know what I have three social events on this week and I can look at a menu ahead of time I can decide that I want what I want to eat and I can ensure that that fits within my goals and we can do that and that doesn't mean going out and ordering the chicken and salad yeah we had a team social for my team last night and we went to GYG and we had burritos and we had ice cream and people had beers and they can all do that in line with their goals on a Thursday
0: night Someone who was tracking calories for weight loss was worried about tracking or weighing food in front of their children. How would they go about talking about this or explaining it in a really healthy way?
1: So this is a really good question and this is often something that my clients are worried about and fairly so. Like we don't want, like we were talking about, us having negative experiences with under-eating. We don't want our children to grow up thinking that that's why Mum was tracking calories that she needed to be skinny or thin yeah so as mentioned on previous episodes there's no need to discuss your weight loss goals with your children however i don't believe that you need to hide that you're weighing your food either yeah so think about it like this this is how i explain it if you're baking a cake with magnolia you would measure out all of the ingredients in the recipe right yeah Because that's how you make a cake. Oh, yeah, definitely. And cakes are pretty like it's cooking you can get away with. Yeah, it's like it is science. Yes. So otherwise the cake won't work out. And Magnolia asks, but mom, why are we measuring the ingredients? Yeah. And you would say to ensure we get the right amount. Yeah. This can be the exact same answer. You don't have to say the reason is that you want to lose weight or fit into the dress or whatever. You can teach her that you are learning about the right amount of food to fuel your body for good health and for movement and the mental activity that you need to do. Yeah. So explain that you want to ensure you get X amount of vegetables in every day because that's the right amount for you to feel your best and that you need to get the right amount of protein to grow your muscles. Explain that bodies are different and they require different amounts of food to fuel them. And at the moment, you're learning more about that. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be a shameful secret. Obviously, we don't want our children to grow up with insecurities around food. Yeah. However, if you're managing your language, and your own mindset, I think it's highly unlikely that they will. Yeah. It is fantastic that we are aware and that we're thinking about this, but for society as a whole, there's still the bigger picture that we're promoting and passing on obesity habits and those sorts of mindsets to our children. So I personally find it a little bit worrying that people can be hyper-concerned about their children seeing them weigh their food yeah. to ensure they're getting enough protein, enough vegetables, and that that might have a negative impact on their kids. However, they are concerned that they're modeling inactivity and they're just sitting on the couch binge watching tv or they're drinking alcohol every day yeah like just some food for thought that they were hyper focused on oh my god they're gonna see me weigh out this chicken portion yeah but I don't care that they're seeing me flag the gym
0: to sit on the couch and have a glass of wine yeah yeah so when does counting calories become a bad idea for someone
1: Yes. So it is important that we do touch on this. And with everything, there is always going to be a group of people that this isn't a good fit for, and it isn't good for their mental health. So we are all different and a one size fits all approach just isn't going to work. Uh, Calorie counting can become obsessive for some people and can result in some really terrifying health issues. So I would always recommend starting your calorie tracking journey with the advice of a coach, dietitian, or health professional to ensure that you're aiming for targets that are both high enough and that you're also having appropriate maintenance periods to keep your body healthy. So nobody should be dieting long-term. Even people that have a lot of weight to lose, they should be still doing maintenance periods where they're bringing their body out of the diet. Even for somebody that does have a lot of weight to lose, they shouldn't be dieting for long periods at a time. We do maintenance periods to break up the diet and keep our bodies really, really healthy and it helps with our mindset as well. If you're working with a coach, this also allows you to have support and guidance around your mindset and your behaviors as well yeah if you find that calorie counting becomes obsessive for you takes up too much of your mental space or just doesn't feel good i would consider other approaches yeah there is more than one way to skin a cat yeah like i said it is a very efficient approach but it's not the right approach for everybody ultimately when done well it should give you food freedom and if it doesn't maybe it's not a good fit or maybe the way you're doing it isn't very sustainable or healthy way and you do need that guidance
0: yeah I think that's where I went wrong. When I was younger, I had no guidance. I was just going off this app. So I yeah, i a really good did. example. Of that.
1: And we all did. And you know, the app does spit out a number for you based on what you put in and you could put in that you want to lose weight in the most quick way possible. And it's yeah. going to give you a really low number. But as a coach, what we do is go and do our own calculations and take into account your movement and everything else in your life and how sustainable it's going to be and when you want to achieve your goal. And then we calculate it based off an algorithm. Yeah. So if this episode has brought up anything for you please do check the show notes and grab the resources for the butterfly foundation
0: all right hop culture quiz it's quiz time I'm so excited this is my favorite segment just as a refresher
1: for people that might not have heard the other app where we did this segment before what we're doing is a quiz so we have picked things that the other person knows absolutely nothing about so I'm pulling out a Nutrition question today to be in line with the topic. And Alex is going to quiz me on some sort of pop culture occurrence that I am guaranteed to have no idea about. And the other person is going to say what they think it is. And then we will explain what it really is. So it's a little bit of a lull and it's a little bit. Educational, <laughs> kind
0: of. Yeah. Tegan's things are educational. My things are fun and educational if you're into pop culture, or even if you're not and you just want to have something fun to talk about at a dinner party. All right, here we go. Do you know what celebrity is responsible for the following DMs? Nah. Wait, I haven't even started. <laughs> I've never seen anybody's DMs. Surely this was a huge news story. Okay, so this is all allegedly, as everything with pop culture, this is something Meg and I talk about all the time, it's all allegedly. So this celebrity allegedly sent these DMs, I may need to see the booty and I'd do anything for it. I'd buy it a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings into it. I want to tattoo my ass now. Do you know who that is?
1: So is it a guy sending it to a girl?
0: Yeah. Do you want to guess?
1: Any any sort of Cardi B?
0: No. Nah. Is that on the right track? No. Nah, Kim? Nah. No. 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 So it's the per- the guy sending it is the famous, very very famous person. And then not sending it to a famous person. Ah, uh, this sending it probably to like an F grade celebrity. I mean, I'd never heard of this person before. It's surely not Shane Warren. We're not going to talk about the dead. <laughs> no. It's an American.
1: Ah. Uh, Hang on, I really want to guess this. Is it someone that's not in the like rap music scene? Not in the rap music also, scene. Oh, so they're a musician. Yeah. Oh. Uh, are they a pop musician? Yeah. Are they younger or older than me?
0: Older than you. Okay, this has just
1: become celebrity heads. <laughs> am I am I in a band? So
0: you're in a band. Am I in a boy band? Oh, they're like, well, it's a band made up of males. I think maybe some people would argue that like pop rock, but pff, soft pop rock. Matchbox 20? no no close Mm, the lead singer of this is way more way more famous than Rob Thomas uh is it the lead singer of the Foo Fighters no (laughs) no no okay I give up I don't think you're gonna get it okay it's Adam Levine Oh, actually, I, I think I've heard this whole
1: thing. He's a yeah. dirty dog, right? He's a
0: dirty dog. So, first of all, don't you think they're the lamest? Like, if someone slid into my DMs I and said they wanted to- I don't know he's more famous than Matchbox 20. I think Adam Levine is way more famous than Rob Thomas. He's, like, a, a part of the pop culture scene. Like, oh. yeah, hugely more famous. Not Especially... in my world.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fucking so love them. Matchbox 20. <laughs> I love Matchbox 20, too. But can you imagine if someone slid into your DMs and said they wanted to buy your butt a Steak dinner and whisper to it, I would die. It's so cringe. Yeah, steak dinners come out of your butt. No, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I love about this story. So Adam Levine, when his wife, I don't know if you know her, so her name's Bahati Prinsloo, she was a Victoria's Secret model. Yeah, right. So when she was pregnant with their third child he messaged uh, Sumner Strow, So she posted TikToks alleging that she had an affair with Adam Levine when Hardy was pregnant with their third child. And she shared some screenshots of their DMs and probably the worst one that shocked everyone the most was this one. So he wrote, okay, serious question. I'm having another baby. And if it's a boy, I really want to call it Sumner. Are you okay with that? Dead serious. Like, what a dog.
1: Okay, that's a bit fucking weird, but unpopular opinion perhaps. Why is anybody shocked when any of these famous people cheat on anybody? Like, it's just not, I'm
0: just not shocking. Like, cheating scandal? Yeah, right? I think it's just because. Do something original. Right. I think it's because he was like this well-known, like they were supposed to have this, they were couple goals, blah, blah, blah.
1: No, no one that's famous is couple goals. Actually, I take that back, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. Oh, 100%. I love them.
0: They are hilarious. They are. But, yeah, then three other women came forward. I think my favourite part of this story is just how cringe these DMs are. So some of the ones that he sent them um, because they had the receipts, they posted screenshots. So he wrote, Holy fucking fuck! That body of yours is absurd, uh, and watching your ass jiggle on the table will permanently scar me. Like well, that yeah. doesn't sound like a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> right? But like, is he a seventeen-year-old boy? Like, um, like. Yeah, dirty dog, man. They're oh. not. They're not shocking. They're, is, they don't grow out of this. Yeah, no. But it was. A, it was a fun story at the time to keep track of. Just like all the screenshots that kept coming out, like the the one about naming his child. <laughs> up, like that's just fucked up. So fucked up. And his wife stuck with him. They're still together. Did they name the kids? <laughs> Imagine if they did. Imagine if they did. No, I'm not even actually sure what they named the third one. But it definitely was not Sumner. But she- yeah, he released a statement saying that he used poor judgment uh, in flirting. However, he did not have an affair, emotional affair anyway. Yeah, it is totally an emotional affair. Yeah, so gross. That's my one, yeah. Gross. And it just like I mean, I didn't love. I mean, I didn't even like. I liked a few of their songs. Like when they first came out, I was a big fan of like you know she will be loved and all of that. But now I just nah look it doesn't at him- light me up like it does. Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> no, I love Matchbox Twenty. But now I just look at him and I'm like, ew. He just gives me the ick. Dirty dog. Mm, yak yak.
1: Actually, to go back to the time that you asked me about the driver guy. Oh, Adam Driver, yeah. Did you see that new perfume commercial that he's in? Yeah. I, it's pretty hot. He's. So hot. It's, it's on the um, it's on the little side street thing on Main Street. Uh, oh, I'm gonna drive past and have a look. I'm glad that you're coming around to him. I mean, I was just driving past and I was like, hey, that's a guy that Alex mentioned, and yeah. he looks fine. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, <laughs> hit me with yours. Now just to really take this down to the snooze town. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mine is very in line with the episode mm-hmm. because I am a boring gal that <laughs> likes to talk about nutrition. <laughs> Mine is, what is an amino acid?
0: Oh, I know this. You got this, girl. From my healthy life days. Yep. Amino acids. Oh, I don't want to sound dumb if I'm wrong. Are they like the building blocks of muscles and stuff? Close. Very close. Ooh.
1: So amino acids are what make up our proteins. Right. Yes. So I thought you might have gone on a little bit of a tangent because of BCAAs. Yes. But um which Branch is-
0: chain amino acids. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: So they're our supplement that's don't buy it. Yeah. It's not just to have your protein. Okay. Amino acids we make in our body. Yeah. But we also need to get them from food as well through yep. our protein. So our protein is made up by different amino acids to make the protein profile.
0: Yeah. You know how to go. Oh, ah, cool. That is something that I remember from I had this big spiel. I was going to go with triglycerides. Oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so that's the makeup of fats. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah yeah the amino acid thing and the branch chain amino acid thing was part of my big thing when i was trying to sell protein powders to people yeah that was a long time ago Thanks for listening to the first episode of season two of the Bread and Better podcast. Uh, Lately, I read that if you give people too many calls to action, they get overwhelmed and end up doing
1: none of them. So to conclude today's episode, you have one job and one job only.
0: Whatever you are listening to us on right now, go and give us a star rating. That's it. It will literally take one second and it would mean the world to us. So just one
1: press of a little thumb. If you've already done it, we'd love and appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.